Hello everyone and welcome to the Completely Cricket Podcast. I'm Avinash Larson and alongside me is Zaid Ahmed and we're going to look into the second England-South Africa test and how it went. Before we go into details, I've got a couple of notices. Wherever you're watching, please give the episode a thumbs up or a like, whatever you can. It really helps us grow this podcast. You can find the Completely Cricket Podcast on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically everywhere. If you do love the podcast, do have a look at the Completely Cricket Weekly. It's a, a weekly newsletter about recent cricket topics. Anyway, Zaid, can you kick, kick this episode off with an overview of how the second test went, please? Yeah, so it's a very dominating performance from England. Um, South Africa batted first. They, they scored 151 all out. And in, in reply, England, you know, it's a strong, really good partnership from uh, Stokes and Folks helped England to 415 for nine. Um, and then they declared. Then South Africa couldn't really get through the um, blocks really quickly because then they were just bowled out for 179. And England ended up winning by an innings in 85 runs. It's a really dominating performance. I think really it was uh, all about bowling, especially for England. Um, you know, they had the trio of Anderson, Robertson and Broad. You know, in, if we go from the first innings, Anson took three wickets, Robertson took one wicket and Broad took three wickets and Robertson took four wickets in the second inning. So just those three bowlers really were just completely dominated the South African batsmen. They they just showed their class. You know, obviously uh, we all know about Anson and Broad. You know, they've been, they've just, obviously for many years now, they've been main the main bowlers for England. And Robinson as well, you know, he's pretty still pretty new to England. And he, he's gaining experience and he's doing really well. So I think really dominated performance from England. Um, really good comeback from the last test. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, that's that's but basically what what happened. Um, I think yeah, you mentioned uh, Anderson Broad and Robinson. You know, uh, Anderson Broad. You know, pretty much I think that they've uh opened the bowling one hundred ninety nine tests or some something. I heard. I think that this is going to be a two hundred test, but then Ollie Robinson actually uh opened the bowling with Anderson. Uh, for I think it was the second, uh, second or the first um innings of South Africa, but um, yeah. So you know, Anderson Broad continuing to give the returns, taking wickets when other bowlers are struggling to as well. But obviously, Ollie Robertson did chip in first innings. I think he took uh one for forty eight, and then second innings four forty three. Uh, he looked threatening both both innings. So Ollie Robertson, he was swapped for Matty Potts, who played in the um first test. Zaid, firstly. You know, I just just to give a bit of background, why why do you think that decision was made specifically for this test? Was it a tactical decision, decision, or was it just a, a sort of just to change things up to you know hope that England's um you know fortunes would change after losing the first test by an innings? Well, I think it's more just a rotation thing. I don't see you know Matty Potts hasn't really done anything wrong to be uh, removed from the team for this match, but yeah, you know, I would just say Robinson he hasn't played for a bit. Um, so they maybe just want to bring him back and just maybe just quick rotation thing just to see how Robertson's doing. But otherwise, I don't really see any other main um reason why they would swap Matthew Potts because he's the only really person you might decide to swap him for Robinson. So for me, I think it's just really a rotation thing just to see how Robinson's doing. Yeah, how about you know? I think there's a lot of people saying, mentioning his height. Ollie Robinson, six foot five. 
uh, you know, the height obviously gives a lot of bounce and it helps with seam as well. And, you know, as we saw in um, this the second test, uh, only Robinson got, I think, an average 0.93 degrees of seam with a new ball, which was more than Broad did this entire summer. So um, it, do you think Ollie Robinson could have been brought on because of his height and, you know, due to the the knowing that um, uh, Old Trafford and its conditions and that Ollie Robinson could be more effective than Matty Potts? Yeah, that's definitely an option. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess Matty Potts, you know, he's not he's not the tallest, he's not the quickest. Yeah, you know, he's more of that line left bowler. And I guess Robinson, he's much taller, as you said, and he he will get the ball to seem around a bit more. So I guess that could be a reason. And um, I guess yeah, yeah, um, Robinson, you know, he hasn't played for a while, so because he's tall, and I think you know, um, he's he's also looking fitter. I think I guess. Um, because there were questions on his fitness earlier. I think now he's looking much fitter and he's able to you know, bowl those really long overs, um, you know, long spells for England. So I think yeah, he could he could have been brought back with his height also maybe because he's looking a bit fitter now. Mm. I see. I agree with him looking fitter. Obviously, um, yeah, he's. When if you look at the his he actually bowled his like fastest I think average spell I think it was like eighty three miles an hour but anyway the, the thing is I don't think both of them can play you know Matt, how can Matty Potts and Ollie Robinson who would you know I one of them mostly Matty Potts would probably be supplementing Broad and Anderson and once once one of them retire eventually I think they take his place but for now until while Broad and Anderson are still playing. Can you fit in Ollie Robinson and Matty Potts, or who would you pick if it was if forget about the conditions, just 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 on the test? If you had to pick your best side, would you put Ollie Robinson or Matty Potts in, and why? Um. Yeah, I just don't think there's enough room for them for both of them. Yeah, because if you think about it, if you have Anderson, Robinson, Broad, and Matty Potts, then you've also got Ben Stokes who's going to bowl a bit, and then you've got Jack Leach who as your as your spinner. So that that's six bowlers, which is an option. But then you don't. I don't. If you if you have the if you use the 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 five paces, it becomes or or the okay. Let's just say the four main pace bowlers. Then I think you just don't get the most out of everyone. I think mean, you just kind of have to like use a little bit of everyone rather than you know going full guns with just the three main paces, Stokes and Jack Leach. You know, I think that's using the five bowlers much more effective. Definitely in the current circumstances. You know, looking at just um, you know, I think England they want to just attack, and so I think yeah, if you just get um, pick less people or less bowlers, um, and and just get more out of each of your bowlers, and then what I think that what what that also does is you can add an extra batsman because if you have Matty Potts, then obviously he's not uh, he's not in as a batsman, he's obviously in as a bowler, so then that uh, decreases one batting option. So, because at the moment England got batting until yeah they've got batting until folks who's at seven and Broad can bat a bit but folks are the last main batsman because then if you if you add pots in then um that's going to make your batting until six so then I think that that would be a bit of an issue so I just don't think all um all, all four of them can I don't think Ollie Robinson and Matty Potts can at the moment be uh in the team. Uh, both of them. Yeah, I think I think having batting until six is out of the question, especially with you know 
in the last few years, forget about basketball. Before that, you know, batting fragility was a huge, you know, a huge thing, a part of um, you know, England's test cricket. And it could still be, you know, just because we've had a few wins doesn't mean things are going to be plain sailing from now. So I think batting until six is out of the question. Look at if you look at South Africa in the first test, you know, they had four main pace bowlers. Anrik uh, Nokia, uh, Kahisa Rabada, Marco Janssen, and Lungi Nagidi. Those four, you know, completely rattled England. And then they had uh, Keshav Maharaj's, um, you know, offspin. And uh, uh, then the, and then that was it for them. But then it worked. And England, when you've got Ben Stokes as an all-rounder, and then you've got three paces, I think that should be enough, honestly. And, and it also shows why, you know, bowling all-rounders and batting all-rounders are really important because just to have that extra bowling in, but then you can also bat. It really does help, and it it adds, it adds more um flexibility to the batting order. And England showed that you know their lower order batsmen can all, can hit and score a few runs. I think uh Ollie Robinson scored seventy, Jack Leach scored something like ten, uh Broad scored something something close to like twenty, I think. Or well, he they all chipped in. So uh England's um lower order batsmen you know can bat. So I think they're okay. I think Robinson would make the pick honestly. Uh, Matty Potts, I think the real reason why he actually got swapped is because he was his his he let he erred with his um line. He was bowling way too wide a lot of the time, and he did get punished by the uh, the batsman in the first test. And I just think that you know, especially Ollie Robinson, you know, he may bowl no balls. We'll go on to that in a bit, and he may you know he may bowl a couple down leg for buys, but he threatens more than Matty Potts does. I think that's true. So yeah, um. Actually, going on to the, the whole no ball thing, they, this is just this is a bit irrelevant. But why why are so many no balls being bowled recently in in tests? I, I don't think I'm pretty sure normally there hasn't been as many no balls because Ollie Robinson's bowled quite a few. I'm pretty sure he's given at least five five to ten in the entire test of uh, five ten runs given just purely by extras and no balls. And Andrew Nokia bowled a few no balls and wides. What what what's going on with bowlers? Is this like is it you know some something? You know, wrong with just the bowling, or what is it, or is it just some kind of you know something that's just passing by? Well, I guess you're always going to see no balls with fast bowlers. You know, you're obviously going to get a few, uh, especially in Test cricket because you know bombs with long overs, bombs with long spells, it's not easy, and it's because you're running in with such pace. Um, you're obviously you might you know your foot might slip a little bit, um, and you might just cross the line. But you know, I, I, I'm not. I don't really see any reason why there are so many no balls. You know, recently, um, I don't think. I don't think that's. Um, well, from what I'm aware, I don't think there's anything to do with the conditions because conditions have been the same for everyone for many years now. Or oh, they've been similar at least. So I mean, it could just be you know fast bowlers. Um, they they're just uh you know running in at such pace that they just sort of just lose that um. You lose that grip. You lose that sort of uh, awareness of where they are, and they just run in and bowl, and suddenly they realise they've crossed the line by their foot. So, I guess it's just really a case of that rather than there's anything in the conditions or something like that. But I think yeah, it's really just that's that's really what that's really just what's going to happen with fast bowlers. You know, they're running at such pace. You're obviously going to bowl a few you know, balls. Hmm. I think I think that's fair. Um, obviously, it's pretty insignificant in the total if it's a big total, but like, uh, it can you know it can it can put the rhythm off of a bowler and it could take them a couple of overs to get back into their rhythm. Last thing on Ollie Robinson, I did mention that you know Ollie Robinson opened opened the bowling with uh, Jimmy Anderson and got got zero point nine three degrees of 
seam, which is more than Broad had done in his, I think it was seven seven opening um, spells this summer. Is this the beginning of the end of uh, Stuart Broad as an opener? Like, is that, is he, you know, looking like a, is he going into a first change bowler if if the just to provide pressure as the openers provide after the openers do their spell, or do you think this is just a a, a match up? Ollie Robinson was, um, you know, just, just 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 for this test was opening the bowling. You know what I think that um, um, I I would say Broad is better than Robinson with the new ball. That's not to say that Robinson's not good. Obviously, he's a, a great bowler and he's opening the bowling, but. I think the reason why he's opening the bowling and Broad's going first change is I feel Broad Broad is slightly better at um Robinson at going first change again, that's still keeping that ball to, you know, seam around and get some movement. And uh, you know, I watched a few overs of him, I think he bowled, you know, um after the tenth over he bowled some he started his spell then and he still got the ball to move around, he put the batsman under huge pressure. And I think He's just more capable of doing that, or he has more experience, and he's just been bowling for so long. And as this, he at the moment he's going to be more likely to put more pressure on on the opposition, uh, going first uh, first chain rather than Robinson, who is still doing a good job of opening the bowling with Anderson and keeping the um Mats under pressure. So and also it could be you know just to provide Robinson with experience because. Mm-hmm. But Broad and Anderson, they're not going to hang around for too long now, you know, one or two years, and they're going to start uh, starting to think about retiring. So Robinson's got to have that uh, experience of opening the bowling. So I guess that could be another reason why he's um, opening bowling at the moment. Yeah, but doesn't that really seem like anti-Basball? Because the whole point, the whole like idea of Basball and you know, Ben Stokes' captaincy, Brendan McCullum, doesn't it? It's like go hard, go fast. You know, start strong, especially if you're open opening the bowling. You want to take as many wickets as early as possible. If you're, you know, if Broad can do a better job, and shouldn't he be, you know, opening the bowling? And does he actually do a better job? Because you know, uh, Ollie Robinson got more seam than Stuart Broad has got this entire summer. I've said that stat quite a few times now, but I still think it's pretty important because Ollie Robinson's first Test match, um, uh, in the Baswell era, uh. Stuart Broad has already, you know, got used to that. So he's he knows he can bowl more aggressively. You know, is it is it just that Ollie Robinson is isn't Ollie Robinson the better bowler in terms of you know what we've seen this summer? And or is it more of a fact that, you know, they just want to give, you know, is, is experience valued more now? Well, yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, it's it's fine, fine margins, I guess, you know, we're talking about the best bowlers in England here and and yeah, I guess. You know, obviously, yeah, basketball is all about, you know, going hard up front, trying to get, you know, trying to put your opposition under pressure straight away. But then you've also got to look at the future. I mean, you can't just, you know, look at the present. And obviously, yeah, you have to, you know, main thing at the moment is what's happening now. So you have to look at that. But then if you if Robinson always going to be first, check and change, um, then... Once Broad and to retire, then suddenly you've got a bowler who hasn't opened the bowling before, and he or he hasn't got much experience opening the bowling for England, and he's just suddenly opened the bowling. Just in fact, two new bowlers just opened suddenly opened the bowling. It would probably be Robinson and Potts, um, what I would think at the moment. So I guess you have to look at the future a little bit 
and because it's it's fine margins really what we what we're looking at here. So I just I think you know it could be that Robin's better, but I'm not really sure. It's 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 just a question out there. Um, you know, who whoever wants to answer it can, but I guess you know you've got to look into the future, and I think the best decision for now is to help let Robinson open bowling and um help uh, give Broad the first change and help him put pressure on. Yeah, I think you can also do the height as well. We we mentioned uh Ollie Robinson, he's six foot five, and his height. But to be fair, Stuart Broad is also pretty tall. But um, uh, I think that it just gives um. Uh, it just gives Ollie Robinson, you know, it allows him to, um, to take, you know, to get that seam, and to to really, um, uh, to to really just, you know, make use of the conditions that are available, and I think that was really important. And I guess, yeah, I I completely agree. You know, Ollie Robinson looks like he'll be opening the bowling, uh, for England more regularly in the future. If he has no experience, how is he? You know, he's done it in he's done it in county cricket, but it's a completely different level. You know, doing it in um in uh. In te- in um test cricket, international test cricket, yeah. So enough on Ollie Robinson. I think we spent quite a while on him. Let's have a look at someone else who, who actually has come back and um who's who struggled recently and he struggled a lot and his struggles been well documented. But I think he he sort of showed a glimpse of what he's really capable of. And um, this person is Zach Crawley. You know, um, England's opening batsman. You know, has been given, uh, given uh, confidence that he will he will open the batting by you know the management of England's management regularly, and you know he has needed it because there's been some very low scores recently. Uh, yeah, he he for for example, he um averaged what lowest lowest average for an opener in Tests in 2021, which is you know ten innings, 119 runs, an average of 11.9. So. You know, Zach Crawley, the, the first, the real question is, was the decision, you know, to continuously pick him, to give him that confidence, even though he's barely scoring any runs, when you could say there are other batsmen in county cricket who could have, you know, potentially, um, you know, uh, got a call up or even other players who could have got a recall. But they, they that's what it, the, Ben Stokes and Brendan Cullen continuously picked him and backed Crawley. And even though he hasn't really had a significant, um, you know, significant score in quite a while, do you think it's still it's fair to continuously pick him? No, um, the short answer is no. I think really, you know, if Zach Crawley's struggling, it's not going to do him his confidence any better by continuously picking because then that pressure will, will constantly stay there to uh, in him to you know this innings I have to score runs I have to you know get that fifty or hundred or I have to get that big score. It's just going to constantly make his performances even go down even further. So. I mean, I'm not happy with that decision. A lot of other people aren't either. Um, I think you know they should, uh, the England management, Ben Stokes, that you know they should pick someone else and leave out Zach Crawley for a few matches and just give let let him you know go back to county cricket for just or or whatever he needs to do just for a, f- a few you know um short period of time just so he can get his confidence back and because if he continues playing here. Well, it doesn't matter where you're playing. He's not scoring runs anywhere at the moment. You know, even the hundred, he hasn't really scored that many runs. So he just needs to get back. You know, get just get back on his feet. And I think the best way to do that is not playing England just for you know a short period of time, um, and just you know, get back on your feet and then come back. You know, once you're feeling much more confident, and then you know you can perform there because 
at the moment it's not doing him any good. He's just not he's struggling, he can't score runs. Yeah. See, the thing is, is that I, I don't think I, I, I honestly don't think so because look, if you're gonna if you're gonna take him off and say okay, you know, rest, say that you, you can put it as resting, or you can put it to get lack of confidence, you wanted to get his confidence back. What? How is he gonna get his confidence back if he's you know not getting a chance to play? If you get you know if you get um dropped and then you know then you know you have to score big score in in some form of cricket to get your place back. So then I, I feel like the pressure's more, isn't it? Because then you know you have to score, otherwise you won't get your place back. And I, I think that I think I do agree that it, it could be it could be wrong not to um you know to, to continuously pick him. But the reason why is because if you know that you're being picked, you know, you get the you have the guarantee, there is there actually is no pressure to score because if you know, okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be picked for you know each of the, at least for the next you know ten tests I'm gonna be picked as an opener. You can just relax, you'll relax a bit, and that can have you know that can have a bad effect because there's no you don't think there's really any incentive to score runs. But obviously Zach Quaddy wants to score runs, but it, it just there won't be that pressure being okay. I need to score a run. I think a lot of players when their form is being questioned and when their the place and size being questioned, that's when they actually show how good they are. Because they score a few big scores, and then they prove to people that they are worth it in the squad. So, yeah, I think that's. I think um, you know that that's something. I think Zach Crawley, you know, they they shouldn't just be giving him. You know, they shouldn't just saying yes, you can, you will open for the next ten Test match because he won't feel. And, and pretty much the opposite to what you said, but he won't feel any pressure because he knows he's going to get picked. There is no really an incentive to score runs because, you know, his place in the side is confirmed. It's more of a bonus rather than actually you have to score runs. And as an opener, we need runs from the opener. If both our openers, you know, Alex Lees and Zach Crawley get out for single figures, it just puts pressure on the rest of the order. And that's what we saw, you know, pre basketball Joe Root captaincy era. That, that happened very often. Also, another thing to mention is that even if he were to be dropped and, like today, that the, the in terms of county cricket, the the next round starts on the fifth of September, so that's what another eight days. You know, I think they could have, if they really wanted to drop him, they should have dropped him, or they should have rested him at a time where county cricket was going on, so he could just join, play a couple of matches just to get some confidence back. It's just to time it right, but I, I, you know, that that's quite difficult to do. Um, yeah, so. What 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 should happen to him now then? You know, he's we I didn't mention this, but he scored, I think, with 38 off uh do you know how many balls it was off? It was only a hundred and something. Yeah, I think it was yeah, 38 off 101, uh five forwards. You know, he was uh, after the end of the um uh, I think it was the end of the in, at the end of the uh, the first day of England's innings. He was on like 17 for 77, and then he upped his scoring. And then 30 of 101. Very it was very gritty innings, you know, more it was more just can he survive? And it was more typical test batting. And for someone who's lacking confidence, I think it was probably the best approach, you know, trying to, you know, survive as long as he could. You know, didn't have to, it wasn't under any pressure to score. Um after that innings, do you think your view of him has changed there? Do you think, you know, he he's proven that he can play a, a, a half decent innings? Well, I mean, scoring 38 of 101 in one innings isn't really enough. You know, he's got to do that, you know, a few times. And he's still got to, for me, he's still got to get that big 50 or big 100 at some point. You know, it's got to be soon that he starts scoring big runs. So it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be just scoring huge runs. It just needs to be enough that he's sort of solidifying his place in the team and making sure that when he's playing, when he's batting, he's making sure the rest of, 
uh, the order have a platform to work with because if you don't have any if you don't if you're coming in at number four and the score is nine for two you've got nothing to work with you're basing opener and that's obviously not what you're there for and so I guess Zach Crawley he doesn't need to score massive runs but um he or I think yeah these innings such as 38 you know um that that it's a good starting point just to start gaining his confidence back and I guess you know in yeah, yeah it's 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 difficult you know the question of Zach Crawley because if he yeah you could be right you know if if he's getting told that he's opening for the next ten tests then obviously he's not you know he's not going to feel pressure but then he could feel pressure because if he's being told that by England then that means that that England do feel that he can score runs because if he just continues you know averages eleven or twelve then that's not going to be good enough. So I guess these innings such as 38, you know, 40, 20s, 30s, 40s, indeed are important innings in the next few uh, tests that he plays and just to start gaining some confidence back. Yeah. So just quickly, would you say, uh, would you keep him for the third test or not? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, he's, after that 38, he's probably going to stay and I, I would keep him for now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'd keep him as well. You know, I think as long as you can show, you don't have to score a, a runner ball, even if you score slowly, as long as you can show you can score, that's I think that's good enough for me. Anyway, let's quickly move on to another player who batted well, bowled well and captained well and was the man of the match. That's Ben Stokes. You know, 103 in England's only innings, two for 17 and then two for 30. So we, we've seen a lot of rash batting from Ben Stokes. This, this 103, is that more like the Stokes that we've seen over the last few years? Do you think that's more of a typical Stokes in it? I think it's, yes, I think it is a typical Stokes in but I also think it's like what, what England came out to do after the change of management, change of captain, you know, they want to go hard, they want to be attacking. Um, I think that's a much better version of going attacking because he still hit three sixes and he hit six boundaries, so he's still attacking things, but you know, he still played much more maturely. So I think that's really, you know, it's a typical Stokes innings. I think that's what really should be, you know, when you want to attack. That doesn't mean go out and try whack every ball. It means, you know, uh, still batting long but and still, you know, showing intent really as well, I think. Yeah, I think uh, basketball, the, the whole theory isn't just slog as hard as you can. It's attack the balls that can be attacked by, you know, getting yourself in the position to attack them. Balls that you typically just defend that are like easy, you know, the balls that aren't threatening that you just defend anyway because you don't want to risk anything. Take the risk and attack it. And Ben Stokes, you know, we saw a lot of foot movement from Ben Stokes, you know, to Lungi and Gidi, you know, hitting him repeatedly, you know, uh, back to, back to the bowler um, and p- punching him down the line for four as well by moving his feet. You know, that's something Ben Stokes has done. But in, against New Zealand, he didn't move his feet. He sort of skipped down the line to Colin de Grandholm, just try to slog him as hard as he could. But I guess the difference now is that the movement of the feet is for a purpose and it's a clearly, you know, I want to hit it here. I'm going to move my feet and, you know, get myself in the right position. And yeah, now, you know, feet movement has been something that's been quite key of Ben, ben Stokes' performances and it, because it allows him to put the bowler, you know, off, off the line of, um, uh, put, put, make the bowler ball shorter or fuller just because he's get Ben Stokes getting it into, in, getting it so it's in the slot and hitting it hard. Yeah. Uh, on the question of his bowling, though, he bowled a fourteen-over spell. Um, in, I think on the last day of the third day of the test, um, and with Ben Stokes's you know injury record, is it really a good idea to 
to to bowl that. I think Jimmy Anderson mentioned, you know, that he's you know he's had a lot of injuries and he, he's a pretty much a machine. But you know, as a machine, you know, he is a he is the captain of you know Test captain of England. If he does get injured, it it could it could easily derail you know he uh, derail England's performances because he's quite a significant player in the team. So, do you think it's really worth it him bowling a fourteen over spell, fourteen overs in a row, or do you think do you think it's really necessary? Like, do England really need that? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessary. Yeah, you because know, he's 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 a, he's obviously captaining. He's in the team as a as an all rounder. You've got so many other bowlers. You got Anson, Robinson, Leach, Broad, and even Root can bowl a bit. He he did in the second innings. Um, yeah, South Africa's second innings, and I guess you know. It's all up to Stokes in the end because he he is captain. He makes decisions, and also he's just got to he's he's got to understand. Um, you know he's got to, he'll obviously know if he's able to bowl fourteen overs, and if he feels he can, then sure, and feels that's best for the situation, sure, he he, he then bowl fourteen overs. It's fair enough, but yeah, he just got to be careful, and that he doesn't bowl too many overs, and and suddenly just suddenly injure himself, and he can't captain the team, he can't play. And then suddenly you're scrambling for another captain and they don't know what to do. So I think Stokes is, yeah, he's got to make sure he's managing um, what he's doing um, and just making sure he's, you know, keep making sure, uh, keeping him, you know, um, fit and, you know, being able to play every single game. Yeah. I think Ben Stokes knows he won't, if he, if he thinks he has to do it, he will do it regardless. You know, he won't shy away. But that could be that could be the issue, really, because you know we don't want our captain getting injured. Joe Root was in, in a way, you know, saying that was part of his captaincy was the fact that he was ever present. You know, he rarely got injured, and that allowed him to be there for English Test cricket and be the face of English Test cricket. And we want Ben Stokes as our face, face of our of English Test cricket now. So that's something to consider. But yeah, uh, Ben Stokes, you know, all round performance. This is what we see from Ben Stokes, and you know, this is what makes him so good. You know, he he's equally good as a batsman and bowler. You know. If he bats, you know he'll 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 do one of them well every match, and and it just shows how you know he's just such an all round player, and that's that's what we expect from our captain leading from the front. Anyway, last sort of just a mini segment of our episode, you know, but for, South Africa won the first Test by innings. It's England won the second Test by innings and uh, and eighty five runs. You know, why what is is the reason why these matches are finishing so quickly? Is it due to like good performances? Or was was it just it's like high quality test cricket, or is it just due to you know sloppy batting and you know bat you know teams misreading conditions and then completely collapsing? I don't know why. Why are these the first two test matches? Why did they finish so quickly? So, well, I would say it's just high quality test cricket for me, and it could be you know it's a mixture of that and also the new uh, England's uh, sort of mindset to go hard because if you're going hard. You're not, your test match is rarely going to last five days. You know, especially like a team like India who also starting to adopt that mindset. Um, and and I guess it's really just that and just really good cricket because obviously you know South Africa demolished England in the first test. England just demolished South Africa. I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't say that, you know the team that lost was on England first test. I don't I don't say think they did anything hugely wrong. It was just really they just got done by you know South Africa bowlers, you know, just uh, just really good stuff from the first test. It's just the same in the second test, really. You know, South Africa um didn't really do didn't really do much wrong. I'd say it's just England just really did um outdid them really, and I think 
I wouldn't say any it's poor performance. I'd just say it's a really good test cricket and also just the idea that England want to go hard and want to go hard quickly. Yeah, see, you you mentioned um what England wanting to go hard. They did they did you know beat India, New Zealand, and chasing totals on the final day. So they did play five days and go hard. I think it's more of um for the first test, England just didn't react well to South Africa's bowlers. You know them being so controlled and tight. And the second test, you know how was South Africa's bowling? You know they bowled, they had a similar bowling attack. I think that the the change was. Marco Jansen was dropped as Simon Harm was brought in. So you lost the one pace one and brought another spinner. But, you know, I think the thing is England show their true colours in the second test, you know, how they are able to adjust to high quality bowling, whereas in the first set they just got blown away. But yeah, I think that's it for this episode. So we've looked at, you know, England versus South Africa's second test, how it went. The third test is in the Kia Oval. We'll be starting in a few days. And um, yeah, that, that's it for this episode. Uh, if you did enjoy this episode, please do uh, like um, whatever platform you're viewing from and have a look at Compete Cricket Weekly. The link will be in the description.